My spelling is atrocious. It is. I don't even know how to spell atrocious. Well. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> spell it. <laughs> A-T-R. Whatever. I'm not the one on trial here. The strange strangler is. Because I'm like a tro-riotous. Yeah. Well, you also like tweet things and then uh-huh. they get a big reaction. But I'm like, there are 16 typos on this topic. <laughs> You know what I have to say to that? What? Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. I wonder if people really think I'm like, what? And like, (laughs) I I don't know what you're going to say. Girl, before we get to the show, yes. if you want more of Jillian and me, say it with me. And who, and who can blame you? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Something, right? <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines. Uh, join the Patreon, you guys. Over 100 full bonus episodes to download like the second you sign up. Yeah, like all the series you want us to do, like Making a Murderer and the Jenks, they're all there. Yeah, Staircase Serial, Lorena. You think I can't rattle them off? By this point, if you can't, then what are we <laughs> Jody doing? Jody Arias, the Lacey Peterson one. Yeah. You guys, the Lacey Peterson one it, it maybe is my favorite one we've done so far because we disagree but then we also disagree with ourselves uh-huh. we don't know what's going on no one knows anything it's a mess come join us won't you join the page you guys it's so fun we love it so much patreon.com slash true obsessed yeah ringtones and like ama is fun stuff over there here's the one thing we haven't asked for in a, in a little while you what? guys if you're a new listener and you haven't yet gone to itunes and given us that five-star review oh right we're a little over thirteen thousand reviews i'd really love to get to fifteen thousand. Oh, that would be nice a Fif- nice round number a right? nice 15 like that would be re- I, that would mean a lot to me sensible fifteen thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about part one of Who Killed Garrett Phillips. So you guys, part two is available right now on the Patreon, ad-free at the $5 level. Mm-hmm. So we do that for our Patreon fam, so you guys don't have to wait till next week to get the second half of this crazy story. Right. It'll also be our regular episode in the regular feed with ads next week. Yes. It's been a minute since I've been like head over heels about a documentary. I loved this one. Yeah, I agree, which is weird because it just made me so mad. So mad. Um, but you know, I, I'm all about like important stories needing yeah. to be told and what, yeah, it's just, it's, you want to let's get ragey, shall we? <laughs> let's do this. The narrative of this case has been simple. It's about 30 minutes in Potsdam. It was around five o'clock. I got a phone call. Something's happened to Garrett. I have both units on scene with an unresponsive 10-year-old male. The scene was handled as a crime scene. The mother is Tandy Cyrus. Tandy's ex-boyfriend, Nick Hillary, was suspicious. Garrett didn't like it. Those two butted heads. We have a strong suspect at this point. You're going to hear the sense of the way of your relationship. You've got some problems. Hillary is responsible for Garrett's death. No doubt in my mind, he did it. Nick Hillary. 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 Next the guy. I'm 100% certain. Am I living in a dream right now, or this is really happening? As a person of color, you're told, don't talk to the police. Nick called me saying, the cops won't let me leave. You don't strip search someone naked for anything. You do have to raise questions as to why they chose Nick Hillary. He's right out of a movie, Nick's dating the sheriff's ex-girl. You have John Jones holding Tandy's hand. There have been theories that Garrett had been horsing around with friends. Those theories are pushed aside. There's no match for the DNA, nothing tying Nick to the crime. Prosecutors don't want to solve this case. They want to get a conviction. To tell you I'm scared would be an understatement. Either Nick Hillary did this or someone else did this. Either one of those options are frightening. 
justice for Garrett is seeking the truth. So we start in a courtroom and we get like a little, we get some amazing quotes right away. Oh, but wait, do you, are we going to start with a bailiff picking up a brick and banging it on the desk to bring the court to order? No. Did you miss that? <laughs> I totally missed that. It looks like the bailiff just brought it in from the parking lot with him. And he was just like, everyone what? shut up. The judge is here. I was too busy trans like transcribing this quote where it's like some lawyer or whatever is just like, look, this whole thing is about a group of bungling, <laughs> incompetent cops from upstate New York on a razor thin amount of evidence. And basically he convicted this guy because he was black. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> it we're off and running. Bungling, incompetent cops. <laughs> Sign me up. Let's drag him. <laughs> Let's do it. One of these lawyers also, like the, the the second lawyer says, look, deaths are always tragic. Sure. Yeah. And then I went, oh God, as if like the title of the movie didn't give it away. Yeah, were you new here? I forgot what do you the think you do? <laughs> He's a 10-year-old boy. I was like, oh God, he really dies. Right. And the point is, he's like, yeah, we have to catch somebody, but it has to be the right person that we have to catch. Yeah. We can't just ruin two. I mean, two lives can't be lost here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't just get someone because you want us to. We has to be the right one. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the court of law, you dummies. <laughs> So we see right away, we meet this adorable girl. Her name is Marissa Vogel. I love her. Those That eye makeup, that I, eyeliner is amazing. You know she subscribes to Fat Fit Fun. Those lashes. Oh, my God. So this all takes place at 100 Market Street. Yeah, and so more about Marissa. Like, she was saying that she and her boyfriend moved into this apartment together. They were going there to go to college. We found our apartment at 100 Market Street at the beginning of the summer of 2010. It was... Not like your typical college apartment. It was clean. <laughs> it looked like you could live in it, and it was homey. And uh, the whole building was well-kept, and it felt very safe. And, you know, she says it's a cozy, quiet town. Everyone knows everyone, the usual. It looks and, super cute. Yeah, and she says that they shared a wall, but she could never really tell what was going on on the other side of the wall. Just, like, muffled noises, but the shared wall is important. Are we going to talk about Sharon Harris? Sure. So Sharon Harris is this, like, pretty blonde girl, and her boyfriend lived at 100 Market Street. He lived, like, in the back building. She becomes important, too, because everyone in the building either hears or sees something. So just remember Sharon Harris. Yeah, so let's go through Marissa's day. Okay. On October 24th. 2011. Raining, normal day. I actually came home earlier than I was normally coming home at that time. I arrived home around 4.15, 4.20, and we started to cook dinner. Actually, Sean cooked dinner. The whole process took about half an hour. So about 5 o'clock, everything got plated up, and we went to our bedroom to eat and watch a TV show. We watched Dexter. We're big fans. Just a couple things to break sure. it down. Who, what kind of monsters are making dinner at 4.40 in the afternoon? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, maybe they had a crate. I don't know. Maybe they're just like, I'm come on, I just want to eat. Can you want to eat now? Yeah. I'm hungry now. Let's just eat I now. guess. And then you like take it into the bedroom and sit and watch Dexter. And like, what was that? Season six? I know. <laughs> Come on. So now Shannon is saying, too, we get Shannon's timeline. And again, five o'clock, like right before dinner, like early eaters at 100 Market Street. And they're changing Andrew's tire. Andrew is her boyfriend. While Andrew was underneath the car, I kept hearing multiple noises, could not figure out what it was. I kept looking up there, couldn't see anything. They were hearing noises from Garrett's apartment. Right. And they had a direct view up to Garrett's back window. Right. Important to remember. So and then back to Marissa. While we were watching the show and eating, we weren't really chit-chatting anymore. So we were just listening to the show. And that's when we heard the running and um, the crash. There was silence after the crash. 
And a few seconds later, uh, we heard a moan for help. And it sounded like either ow or no. I mean, this was just hard to listen to. Right. And Marissa's like, I, it was a child. I don't know if it was ow or no, but she distinctively heard help. And I have in my notes in huge block letters, like, please, please, please tell me you went and investigated. They do. Yeah. Marissa is a total hero. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Marissa. They go right over, yeah. pause, Dexter, whatever the TiVo sound is. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you could have kept it going. You didn't miss much. When I knocked on the other door... I heard a slight noise behind the door. I couldn't tell you what it was, but then I heard a click. And it was one of those things where my mind instantly knew that it was a lock clicking. She hears the front door lock clicking. And the thing that, like, in the horror movie version of this, the murderer is right on the other side of that door. Looking through the peephole. That is so fucking terrifying to right. me. So remember, it's five o'clock. They hear they're watching Dexter, whatever. By yeah, 5 it's almost, almost bedtime. Right. Oh, <laughs> yawn. By 5.08, Marissa's on the phone with the cops. She's yeah. got it. It sounded like something fell, and then it was either no or help. So I, it, was, it was a little weird. Okay, I'll have somebody check on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So she calls it 5.08. By 5.14, Officer Wentworth is on the scene. What's yeah. going on? So this is also very important. At 5.15, Officer Wentworth arrives to the apartment. He listens at the door and doesn't hear any noise. He then knocks again. This is on-screen text, which mm-hmm. is why it sounds like I'm reading a script. Right, because you he, are. Because <laughs> I am. He then knocks on the door, and he hears what sounds like someone starting to walk around. Right. So he's not getting a response from the person in the apartment. So at 5.21, the dispatcher, the 911 dispatcher who spoke to Marissa, yeah. calls the landlord, Rick Dumas. So, like, three minutes go by, and Officer Wentworth is like, I don't have time to wait for this landlord. Officer Wentworth can hear movement in the apartment. Yes. But it's 524 and that's a very important moment to remember. Yes. 524, he's now, because he knows someone is in there, he's like, bitch, answer the fucking door. Right. And, and he's pounding on that shit with the nightstick. So by 533, the landlord shows up and I'm like, all right, he didn't make them wait that long. Sorry. Sorry, hey, landlord. Hey, Dumas, do you think he's, he's spent his whole life being called dumbass? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. And I think that sucks. <laughs> I think it's a real uh-huh. low bar to teach someone about their name. Just saying. Heinz ketchup. Come on. It was life was miserable for me. And in, in like the meanest first grade. you got. I, that was not even close. But just name related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like a little chubby, poor gay kid. You think Aww. Heinz ketchup is the worst? And you sounded like this since birth, probably. <laughs> So then the dispatcher tells Marissa, like, girl, you were right. There is an emergency at that location. Marissa? Yes? They do have an emergency on that location. Could you assist me by going down and waving down the rescue squad when they arrive? Yes, I could do that. Thank you very much. The rescue squad gets there. It's an unresponsive male, about 10 years old. They're trying to do CPR. So then we we start to hear the name Tandy Cyrus. Yeah. She is Garrett's mother. Yes. And they can't find her. They have no idea where she is. But the minute the dispatcher hears that name, they're like, whoa, wait, isn't she John Jones's ex-girlfriend? <laughs> and I'm like, who the what? The mother is Tandy Cyrus. Um, we don't know the child's name at this time. She's not here. We haven't been able to locate. Okay. Isn't she John Jones' ex-girlfriend? Yeah. Wonder if he's got a number. Then they get the chief of police on the phone, and he's like, Tandy Cyrus, you say, how do I know that name? And and the dispatcher's like, bitch, it's John Jones' (laughs) ex-girlfriend. And I'm like, who is John Jones? Just to note, no one else was in the apartment when they the cops finally got in and they saw Garrett. Right. So, like, the person moving around is gone. Exactly. So now everyone, the entire town, is trying to get in touch with Tandy. It's like, where are, your, where are you? Where is she? So then we finally meet John Jones, and, and he's, like, two camera, giving 
giving an interview and he's saying, Some parents, I guess, apparently told her, where have you been? Something's happened to Garrett. You need to get to the hospital. And then she immediately thought of me first and called me because, uh, um, you know, I've always been dependable with Tandy. She can count on me. So John is the sheriff's deputy. Right. And her ex. Or is he? Look, I, I had this note for later, but I was like, this guy is really fucking problematic. He, I don't like him at all. No. He is very involved in this, and mm-hmm. I think that also means he's involved in this. Um, I totally agree with you. I'm saying it. Yeah. So we see, it's horrible. We see a picture of Garrett, like, on the gurney, and they pronounce him dead at 7, 18 p.m. We learn he was 12 years old. Right. And the cause of death is strangulation and suffocation. Now, uh, just a quick note about that. We've learned that is a super, super personal thing. Yes. That is not a robbery gone wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is. Right. So now we see Garrett's grandparents and they are his dad's parents. And we learned that Garrett's dad died of an aneurysm when Garrett was about three. Yeah. And his paternal grandparents are saying things like, you know, they were very close. They spent a lot of time together. And I think the grandmother says we know so much and I'm like what (laughs) you know so much about what like what are like what (laughs) I used to come every single day now I come up usually once a week till it gets nice weather and then I hook them up and have coffee with them in the morning just thinking and drinking my coffee I mean, as a grandmother, like, to see your son and your grandchild Mm -hmm. die and to still be standing, uh, that is some kind of strength that I don't know that I possess. Yeah, both under, like, incredibly tragic circumstances. It's it's just really, there's some pretty strong people. Unless they're monsters. We never know. We just started. I don't know. Speaking of monsters. <laughs> so we meet this guy, Mark Murray. Oh, I hate him. He's the lead investigator. And like, you never know what these people's roles are when you first meet mm. them. And you're kind of like, this. he can't be like a bad guy. Because why would he be giving an interview to the documentary if he's a bad guy? Because he's that bad. I know. That he thinks he's not a bad guy. He's a fucking bad guy. It's true. So he's the lead detective on this. And he tells us the night of the of the murder, he was at a soccer, like his younger brother's soccer game. Whatever. And he gets going. <laughs> Whatever. He's Sucks. <laughs> Obviously, it's it's immediately suspicious. So there's a lot of questions in your mind, like why does a 12 year old just just doesn't die? We had the state police were called immediately. Notifications were made. We had no idea what we had. So now, like we're back to the scene, right? And yeah. while they're photographing the third bedroom, the officers notice that the blinds on the window are bent outward. They're like on the second floor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like there are cracks on the ledge outside and footprints that show like, okay, someone jumped and broke the sidewalk or whatever. And it's a, it's a long fall. I mean, it's like a solid, you know, 20, 15, 20 feet or whatever. Right. And we cut back to Shannon Harris. Remember, she was the one who was outside working on her boyfriend's car with her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. She had the direct view of that window. Mm. And she knows that they left where they were at 520. Mm-hmm. So we get the timeline at some point that he fled at 521. So this guy must have been looking out the window. Waiting for seeing, them to leave. Like, what about, like, there's a cop on the other side of the door. He knows that. This cop's going to bust in. Banging any with a patrol stick. Right. Open up. <laughs> Off of the crumkey. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and then, like, and then finally they leave and he jumps out the goddamn window. Right. So now, John, back to John Jones. Yeah. If I may. John Jones is like the cop who's the ex-boyfriend of the mom. Mm-hmm. He tells us, again, with a straight face, like, dude, do you hear yourself? I know. He's like. I think we were just all. In shock and and uh, didn't know how to take it. And I believe it was three or four hours later that I I had called my girlfriend. I said I'm going to stay with Tandy and assist her through this difficult time. I call 
my current girlfriend and I say, honey, I'm staying with my ex-girlfriend <laughs> to help her through this difficult time. I really don't like him. I, know. I just don't like him. Yeah. I think it's all bullshit. Like, why do you want to meddle? Right. You know what I mean? I just, I don't like him. <laughs> Does he get a bell? Yeah, fuck him. God, <laughs> throw the whole thing at him. Uh, more people I don't like. You uh-huh. want to just go down the list? Yeah. Uh, Gary Snell is from the state police. So here's the thing. Like, the local police and the state police are now working together. So this guy, Gary Snell, he just inserts himself into this situation. Yeah, and I also have a note that, like, we don't actually meet Snell. We just see a photo of him. And I was like, why is Mark Murray here, but like, the Snell guy isn't here? Yeah. Gary Snell from the state police had stopped on his way home because he resides in the Parishville community as well. It's a tight-knit community. I think he had stopped at the family's house. They had their suspicions. They said the only person, they can't think of anyone who would want to hurt Garrett, number one. There were some things about Tandy's ex-boyfriend, Nick Hillary, that really concerned them. And so they shared those concerns with him. So the grandparents are saying, like, we think we know who did this. Remember, she was dating this guy, Nick Hillary. Mm-hmm. We never liked him. And we think that he may be the one who did this. And we think this because we know that Garrett and he did not get along. Yeah. Also, Tandy's white and Nick Hillary is black. And the funny thing is, we didn't necessarily learn that. No one ever says it explicitly at this point. Yeah, no, just their actions speak volumes. Right. And then, like, Nick Hillary is with us. He's our narrator here. So we start to see right away that, like, they don't have other suspects. They are just focusing on this Nick Hillary guy. Yeah, and because it's a 12-year-old, you know, it's sort of all hands on deck. So we get, like, this DA investigator calling Mark Murray, the lead investigator, and he's like, so do you have all the suspects involved? Is it one? Like, what, you know, like, what's happening, girl? And Mark Murray, that idiot, is like, well, we have, we have very strong feelings about certain people. Beat, well, one person. We got some, some strong feelings about certain people. Um... Or one person, but we we need that autopsy today, and we need the cause of death. But there's one person in particular that we want to talk to. So the whole point of this section is that like they were never looking at anybody else because we start to see all these other possibilities. We're seeing social media tweets that like Garrett had friends over and they were horsing around and it was an accident. There's this thing, you guys, the knockout game. I Kids used to play this game. Are you what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, no, because it's, maybe it's not the same game, but at, at high school dances, when other boys were busy dancing with girls and I was busy staring at the boys dancing with the girls uh-huh. and I was bored, right. I would like sit to the side and there was a game that we used to play where you would like breathe all the way out and somebody would push their hands on your stomach and you would sort of pass out for like a second. <laughs> Why don't you just do whippets like everybody else? <laughs> whippets scared me because you could die. Whatever. Yeah, you could. You can't die from that. That's not the knockout. That's all. That's something ridiculous and horrible. But the, the knockout game. Is I used like, to play that with Emro Weisler. He had the best hair. I was obsessed with him. Okay. Um, so the knockout game is when people would basically like run up to an unsuspecting victim and sucker punch them and try to knock them out. What? Yeah. So the thing is, there were all these theories. Maybe the the other kids did it. You know, like Garrett wasn't well liked. What? Whatever the, whatever the theories yeah. were. But all of those theories were pushed aside once they had their eyes set on this guy, Nick Hillary. So back to that guy, John Jones. Yeah. So it's 8.30 a.m. the day after the murder. Tandy, the mom, yeah. is being interviewed. And the on-screen text says, first of many interviews. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. But she is at the police station with Matt Murray, the lead investigator guy, and this guy, John Jones, who like brought her to her interview. So her ex-boyfriend, John Jones, who is a police officer, mm-hmm. brings her to her own interview and then sits in on the interview. And then that guy, M- Mark Murray, yeah. present day says she wanted that and that was accommodated to do it over again probably would have done it differently but it, I don't it definitely didn't affect the investigation in, in my opinion but it did 
didn't affect the investigation anyway. So he says. Red flag. Red flag all over the goddamn place. But also, this guy, John, isn't sitting there just like hanging back, letting her do it. He is physically touching her the entire time in a very obvious way, holding her hand. I mean, he is, this is either an intimidation tactic or he wants to navigate waters in a certain way, Uh but he wants to be calling the shots here and it's very clear. So they tell her, look, we're really interested in your ex-boyfriend, Nick Hillary. Yeah. And then we like kind of flash back in time to two and a half hours after Garrett's death because Nick Hillary has already been contacted by the lead investigator, Murray. Right. And so now we start to learn about Nick Hillary. So So this is where I have like, oh my God, we actually see him like I didn't know if he was going to be in this or not he's sitting at home cool as a cucumber like yeah. talking to the camera living his life but so like we learn about this Nick Hillary guy number one he's gorgeous mm-hmm. number two he he's like this like big deal soccer coach at a local college he was a student at St. Lawrence College and he w- did so well he was like a star on the soccer team yeah now he coaches the team at another college he's like a pillar of the community everybody really likes him yeah in college he, he lived in something called the House of Brotherhood and it was like all of his Jamaican teammates and they yeah. were no they were like celebrities they were like good guys uh-huh. real like just fun to be around just good people and incredible on the soccer field and one of the guys who lived in this house with him was a guy named Manny Tafari keep remember him I love him I love him too so n- now we learn like how Nick met Tandy you know I, I met Tandy in uh, 2010 I would normally hang out with the uh, the coaches from the college you know, after work or after a game, I'll sit at the bar where she was a bartender. She would admire what I was doing and she would ask questions and, you know, she played soccer so she understood, you know, the language and what I was doing. So that that's how my meeting of Tandy all came about was during that time period. They met at like a local bar called Half Tons. Sure. Um, yeah, it was like Nick's happy hour bar with his with his teammates, and Tandy was the bartender, and they like really hit it off. And we get like a lot of texts and emails about like they can't stop thinking about each other. They really love each other. Like, but wait, I have a question about this. Yeah, they address each other in the emails and text messages as Miss Cyrus and Mister Hillary. Yeah. Why? I don't, maybe it's like you know how couples have little. Th- I don't know. Maybe it's like a thing that they. Why don't, I don't you know. call me Mister Hunt? Because I'm not in a relationship with you. You're in a kind of a relationship with me. But not in like a lovey nicknamey <laughs> relationship. <laughs> You know? Right. right? Yeah. I just, I was so caught off guard by that. I was like, this, it, was, it was very like sound of music to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing about Tandy and Nick is that Tandy's got two kids and Nick has three kids. Right. And they decide, I guess kind of quickly, like the lesbian stock that I come from. Sure. They were going to move in together real fast. They're going to Brady Bunch it. Yes. And put the, <laughs> whole, the whole family together in this like big, beautiful house they found. Yes, exactly. So then they end up breaking up though because the kids were getting harassed because it was an interracial relationship. So like her boys were getting bullied and so they didn't like Nick because Nick was the reason they were being bullied at school because kids are horrible. And obviously I I would not like that for my child and I don't think it was fair for her and her son to have to experience that. And I think that was one of the, um, the root cause as to why we made the decision that, you know, it would be best if she has 
her own aboard and I have my own aboard. When you really zoom out and you're like, everyone was so happy. They were so good for each other. Uh, it just makes me so mad. Yeah, that's let's get mad about yeah, it. <laughs> that's you what know? we're here for. God. Why did we call this podcast Let's Get Mad About I'm like it? really into being mad today. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm happy to be mad today. <laughs> that's how we do. Is that weird? No, it's great. It's great. So they stopped living together. They would each have their own homes, but they were still kind of hanging out. So speaking of them each having their own homes, when Tandy decided to move out, her, that guy, John Jones, mm-hmm. he knows everyone in town. He knows everyone with apartments and he gets her set up at that apartment at 100 Center Street. I looked at it as the convenience of not being close to me. It was the convenience for the boys. I, I guess I always put the boys first. Oh, it had nothing to do with getting her closer to me. Uh-huh. Uh, the lady doth protest too goddamn much. Yeah. I was like, no one was thinking that but you, girl. Yeah. He also says this really annoying thing where he's like, I didn't think that she and Nick Hillary were still seeing each other, but I was enlightened that they were seeing each other. Okay. He says enlightened. Yeah. He's like a super violent racist. Like, yeah. I don't want to be alone in a room with this guy. One million percent. Also, he should be a little nervous to be alone in a room with me. How about that? <laughs> I'm like, I took Muay Thai. I'm a little nervous to be alone in a room with you, if we're being honest. No. <laughs> Look, you're not on my list yet. Not yet. Very easy to get on. Impossible we... to get off. <laughs> We've got like 30 years to go, so let's... Hey, look, don't tell me. You better... <laughs> Tread lightly. <laughs> so now we're, we're back to two and a half hours after Garrett's death. And the police go to interview Nick Hillary at his home. That was the first time I learned that he had passed that night when the cops came to my apartment and told me that he had passed away. Um, I was at a loss for words. Um, And I frantically started figuring out, you know, reaching out to Tandy, reaching out to the family members, trying to find out what was going on. So I was making phone calls. Everything Nick is telling us, he's being honest. Like, right. I'm, not, I'm not a polygraph machine. No, he's got nothing to hide. No, and it's like there's a way that when people have a script that they tell. Totally. He's just not telling a script. Like, yeah. he's telling the truth. Yeah, totally. So he calls his friend Manny, who's a former teammate, and you guys, current lawyer. Yes, so Manny is a lawyer, and we're obsessed with him. We love him. So Manny's like, oh, dude, like, something is happening. It is not normal for the cops to give an in-person death notification to an ex-boyfriend. Right. You in danger, girl. You in danger, girl. <laughs> and then he told me, you know, the cops came and told him. And right there, that was when, <laughs> you know, the lawyer and me kicked off and and I thought there was something very strange about that. Poor Nick is just like, I just want to talk about this emotional thing that happened. Like, he's being a good guy and just like, I just need to get it out to a friend. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. he's like, friend and also lawyer? No, right. <laughs> this is not good. But remember John Jones? Super problematic John uh, Jones? It cuts back to John Jones and just straight to camera, John Jones says, No doubt in my mind he did it. And I don't base that strictly on wanting to say it's him. I base it on the knowledge of many of the guys I work with in law enforcement that investigated this and put 20 hours plus a day into trying to find the right person to put to this. And uh, each one of them told me, next the guy. He's giving us all this bullshit about all of his boys in blue that the 20 hours a day they all worked on this case and they chased down every lead and they looked at other suspects and they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't look at anybody else. They only looked at this Nick Hillary guy and we're going to get to why in just a second. Yep. So now we meet this New York Times reporter who gives us like sort of like information on this area. So we learn it's very sheltered. You can get a house for super cheap. There's a real 
economic crisis happening, high unemployment, lots of drugs. You guys, dr- like heroin drugs, like meth drugs. Yeah. At one point, someone's like, they're cooking meth all over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. And then we hear from Natasha Haverty. She's another reporter. And she's like, yeah, so uh, it's really white. And it's situated in New York's prison country. So like she says, it's a community in an area that kind of like its lifeblood is corrections. And we think about racial dynamics, how a lot of white people's only interactions with black people are when they're in a uniform as a corrections officer, guarding inmates of color. It's just something to keep in mind. Just something to keep in mind. <laughs> we definitely like have way too many people of color in prison. Uh-huh. And this is a white town. Just something to think about. Kind of just that's it. And they say like it's a big college town too. Yeah. So you've got this really interesting dynamic where you, you do have a certain conservative rural bent to it. Driving up here, you see a Confederate flag here and there. But then you also have, you know, college bars and and college activities and more kind of liberal seeming functions going on around you. Can I say, I literally stood up in my chair at this point when they were talking about the Confederate flags. Look, Confederate flags are never okay, ever. They're the worst thing ever. But like, can someone please tell the fucking people of upstate New York that it was never part of the Confederacy? No, yeah, we won the war. You're literally 14 minutes from Canada. Yeah. I literally was screaming at the top of my lungs and then I, I actually gave a goog to the Confederate States. Because I was like, let me just make sure that upstate New York was never a part of the It makes you feel crazy. <laughs> exactly. You were right. <laughs> it was the North versus the South. Right. Anyway, back to John Jones. We learned that John Jones and Tandy were living together when Tandy and Nick Hillary started, quote, socializing. Okay, did this stand out to you too? Because John Jones actually says, When Tandy and I started having real difficulties towards the end, I was trying to figure out, you know, what what's going on, what's happening, and Nick's name was brought up a couple times, and uh, I just happened to be at, a, at the right place, I guess at the right time, to see the two of them drive by one early morning. He was following her. He was stalking them. He was 1 million percent stalking them. Oh, no, I have a whole thing about this in my notes. Because it's like, he's like, yeah, you know, very early one morning, you don't just happen to notice two people driving past you at 5 in the morning or whatever. Unless you're staked out. Right, and he's like, look, you know, I saw them, I just happened to see them, and I thought to myself, great, now I can move on and start dating. No, 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 you were stalking them. But then, just when you think it couldn't get any, like, you were stalking them, and you're telling us this, he says, so I confronted Nick at his residence. What? <laughs> and it's also that cop speak. Totally. I confronted him at his residence. No, you showed up to the dude's house and you threatened him. Yeah, and Nick is like, I was just hanging out with this girl. I, we weren't in a relationship. Yeah, Nick Hillary was like about to be separated from his wife. So they were like, he was living with his wife. Right. But then the other thing is that then John Jones goes to Nick Hillary's wife, Stacia. Everybody says her name wrong. Yeah. It's pronounced Stacia. Stacia. He goes to Stacia and he's like, oh, hey, you're cool with the fact that your husband is, is like hanging out with and probably sleeping with that bartender from that local bar. Such a shitster. Yeah. <laughs> so just like, oh, hey, like, oh, what, did you just happen to run into Stacia too? No, you tracked her down to cause drama. But the best is that Stacia is not taking this lying down. No. So Tandy and Stacia were not cordial. There's some domestic incidents that happened in, in the interim, uh, one in which Stacia was arrested for, um, for cutting up his clothes and dropping them off in the lawn of his apartment. Stacia takes all of Nick Hillary's clothes and cuts them into pieces. And throws them on the lawn. <laughs> Just stop cheating on each other, everybody. I know. I know. Yeah, there's it's some blurry timelines here. Yeah. 
<laughs> but again, it's like bigger fish to fry. What about the timeline of when someone killed a 12-year-old kid? Like, that's I totally the timeline agree. I care about. So basically, where we are, everybody, now Nick is dating the sheriff's ex-girlfriend. Like, this is not going to go great. Yeah, and the sheriff is not stable. Right, no. At all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a little obsessive and definitely a stalker. So we now we're back to Tandy's first police interview, that filmed interview that we see where John Jones is like just touching her the entire time uh-huh. and trying to run the show. So it's at the end, everyone's getting up to leave. So John Jones and the lead detective guy, Mark Murray or whatever, they're speaking in like hushed tones. Uh-huh. And, uh, they don't really want people to overhear or see what they're doing. And Mark starts writing things down. Tandy is not in this conversation. Uh-huh. Just John Jones is like saying some stuff to Mark. The buildup Tuesday night into Wednesday morning is... You know, we, we got to talk to Nick again. There's just too much. There's too much stuff here. You know, we're clearing everybody else as you know, either alibied or precluded for a very a number of reasons. We've got to find out what's. There's more to this with Nick's involvement. Then we get Tandy's written statement. Right. And this is when Nick says outright to us, like. In a, in a zillion years, I would never think that she would throw me under the bus like this. He's like, she knows me. She knows my heart. Like, she knows I am not capable of doing this. And he's like, it's very clear to me that she was intimidated and manipulated by the people in that room. Because in her statement, she's like, you know, looking back, Nick was always awful and always wanted to hurt Garrett and all this stuff. And it's like, that's just not true. Yeah. In case we need to drive this point home, the cop ex-boyfriend is just trying to get rid of the current boyfriend. Right. That's what he's trying to do. That's it. That's what he's been doing for years. Yeah. So we're back to Manny, the lawyer. And uh-huh. then we meet his wife, Lisa, also a lawyer. I know. They're amazing. They work together. They're attorneys. I'm obsessed. I know. So he, Lisa gives us some really crucial information here. Officer Murray had put in his sworn affidavit to get a search warrant, right? So it's sworn to that he observed Mr. Hillary with a significant limp. The day after the The day murder. after the murder while he was coaching a soccer game. And I guess to him, this shows that he could have jumped out the window and injured himself. He's trying to say that he's the guy who jumped out the window. So then we cut to video of that game. Oh my god! And 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 the the two lawyers, Manny and his wife, tell us like we didn't get this video until years later. Right. But we're seeing the video now. And Nick is in ship shape. Hillary is walking very well, and he beats a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds to the locker room right. at halftime. So why would a police officer in the middle of a murder case, only the day after? make up a story about a significant limp when he knows that there's none. Nick was fine he didn't have a limp. You guys cut to Murray, the investigator, today with yeah. a straight face is like... There's points in time where he looks like he's walking perfectly fine and there's points in time where you're, you you wonder if, if he's trying to conceal or or he's got a sore leg. It's significant to me. Like, that looks like he's, he's favored his right leg. Don't you see the limp? Yeah. It's as clear as day. And I'm like, oh, this guy, <laughs> he's going to make me crazy. So then, like, by October 26th, the police show up to Nick's door. And he's on the phone with Manny, uh-huh. the, the lawyer friend. And Manny's like, dude, they're they're about to frame my friend for murder. It wasn't alarm bells as much as, um, you know, an explosion that went off in my brain. And I knew right then, right there, that they were about to frame the killer for murder. And you guys, they do. So now we get on-screen text that Mark Murray and Gary Snell, they get Nick Hillary to come down to the station. And the purpose of the meeting is to go over a student roster of Garrett's class. Right, that's like, what they say. That's, that's what they, what they say. Nick. Yeah, that's how they get him down there without a lawyer, without a fight. And Nick is like, I just want to do whatever I can do to help. Like, of course I'm going to go. Right, but he also says, like, look, as a person of color, you're always told not to talk to the police. Yep. But he goes, I didn't have anything to hide, and I want to help. I do care about this person, unlike John Jones. Yeah. So this whole thing, this is the rest of this episode. And it is 
It is so infuriating. So they're talking to Nick about Tandy. Yeah. And everything they say, they're just trying to bait this guy. This Nick Hillary thinks he's going to look at a roster of students. Uh-huh. And then they just start questioning him. And so they're trying to make it like that it was like this this really emotional, hostile breakup. And he's like, it wasn't. Did you break up with her? Did she break up with you? What's the deal with It's not one of those relationships where people break up and there's hostility. You know, it was never like that. Quite the opposite. You know, so it was very surprising to me to 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 have learned all these stories as to what was going on with our relationship. What they're trying to plant is that Garrett didn't like Nick. Mm-hmm. So Garrett is the thing standing in the way of Nick being able to get Tandy back. Right. And so so Nick had to kill him. That's where we're going with this. Right. So there, now we're back to the Nick interview. And Mark is asking Nick all these questions like about his kids and like picking him up from school. You usually pick up your kids from school or your daughter or she goes to the high school or she walks home. She goes to the high school. And what's her name? I think this is what stops Nick dead in his tracks. This is when he knows for sure he's not there to identify, like, other kids. Right, and he's like, Mark, like, not to be a dick about it, but, like, what is this? Mark, I'm not trying to be a great idea, but you actually come down here to look at others. And you you guys are actually some of the damn questions. I don't mind answering questions, but I'm answering questions that need to know pertaining to what. You asked me to come down and look at a list, and now you're questioning me. I'm happy to answer all your questions. I just need to know what the context is here. Right. Why am I here? And I'm like, say the word lawyer. Just I know. say the word lawyer. He's being so agreeable. Like, he's being too agreeable. Right. Like, he should not be questioned without a lawyer, and the cops know that. Right, The right, cops right. know that 100%, and they're just trying to take advantage of this guy's niceness for as long as possible. And then they do the thing, you guys, like, it's just, we see this so many. He's like, oh, you know, we're just trying to eliminate you. You're not right. a suspect, but we're trying to eliminate you. That, si- that statement makes no sense. But this is when and Nick starts to say no comment. They're like, "What were you doing on Monday?" And Nick's like, "I know, but I'm not going to tell you." Like, no comment, no. And this is where the this is where it starts to get really tense, right? Between Nick and the cops. I'm not turning nasty. I'm not. What's your name again? Gary. 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 And then they read him his rights. Right. So this is the best part. They actually read him his rights. And now Nick knows shit's going down. While also saying he's not under arrest. You're not under arrest, but you have the right to remain. Like, what are you? Like, I know. what am I watching? <laughs> like, they're gaslighting him. They're gaslighting us. Uh-huh. It's insane. So they're talking to him. Nick pulls out his phone. And while they're like, they're sort of getting aggressive with him. Nick is just talking on the phone. He calls and- Manny, his lawyer friend. I know. And one of the cops is like, are you on the phone? And, and he's, he's like, like yep. yeah. All right, you just read me my yeah. letter, right? And I'm like, because Nick says the magic words. He goes, I'm going to implement my Sixth Amendment rights, which means I want a lawyer. But it's the, the fanciest way possible. The cop goes, meaning what? And Nick goes, you know what the Sixth Amendment is. And you the know. cop goes, silent. The cop yeah. like does not know what this is. I actually had to look up the Sixth Amendment. I wanted to make sure. But yes. he, he asked for a lawyer in the most formal way possible. And I think that was also a way for Manny to be like, he's on the phone with someone who knows their shit. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. just say I want a lawyer. Say you are implementing your Sixth Amendment rights, because that is a little bit of a statement there. Do you remember when I had to Google earlier if New York was one of the confederate states (laughs) i know so then we get his assistant coach and his friend ian and he's being questioned too ian is nick's best friend he's being interviewed separately because ian is also nick's alibi so this is where we learn that he says is he the kind of guy that would create an alibi using you and the assistant coach guy is like what are you talking about (laughs) what keep doing ass 
How do you know he didn't do it? Well, if he did do it, then I saw him a minute later, and he was the same person I've always met, just walked in and was like, hey, going to the, going to the office, got this meeting, you're gonna be right behind me? Yeah, be right there, just every other day. So they're trying to get Ian to either say, one, he wasn't really there at work. He lied. I'm not his alibi. Yeah. Or they're trying to get Ian to say, yeah, he, he was there, but he acted really differently, almost as if he just committed a murder. Ian's not saying either of those things because either of them are true. And this is where we find out that the alibi is airtight. Because right. the cops are saying at 521 is when the guy, the, the murderer, jumped out that window. Mm-hmm. At 521, this assistant coach was on the phone. So they can actually check that against the phone records. Right. And at 521 is also when he'd been saying, even before he knew this was Nick's alibi, Nick walked in when I was on this phone call. So I'm his alibi. I'm why he can't be there because he was here at 521, uh, which is something they grilled me on, you know, a lot uh, throughout the whole process. However, Murray, the lead investigator guy, is like, well, obviously he made a fake phone call to have an alibi, you guys. (laughs) Obviously. And I'm like, girl, boy, you are reaching. Yeah. So now we're back to Nick, who he just called a lawyer. He said the magic word lawyer. And I'm like, he is still having a conversation with the cops. Like, how is this? They are just disregarding everything they should be doing. And so now the conversation is, remember how Nick got there to, like, confirm a student roster? Uh Uh-huh. Now they're saying things like, look, I don't think you went over there to kill him. This has gone on long enough, okay? I'm hearing you, Gary. Okay, well, let's... I don't think that you went there with any intention... Really? Really? I don't think you did. <gasps> <laughs> and this is where I have, and this shit goes off the rails. And then they just start actually arguing. Yeah. They're just fighting. And so now Nick is trying to leave. He's standing up. He's trying to leave. He's. It's been made clear to him 40 times. He's not under arrest. No. And they say to him 40 times, you can leave anytime. And then they're like, well, no, we're not going to let you leave without knowing exactly when we can talk to you again. And he's like, um, no. Right. Like, absolutely not. So he finally gets up and Mark, that Murray guy, that yeah. investigator, he said, he goes, there's a dead kid, Nick. Like, don't you want to help? And I'm like, oh. He's also, oh. this guy, Mark Murray, is standing between Nick and the door. Yeah. So, and so is that other guy, Gary Snell. So yeah. they're physically intimidating him. They're blocking the door. They're not letting him leave. And today, Nick, to us, is like. Knowing my right that I could walk out of there and being barred and blocked physically you you leave me one choice which is to either put my hand on you to actually leave or bull my way through the door which those two options provide me nothing good in return so obviously i have to succumb to what you guys are doing and knowing intentionally what you're doing and just sit there Either I put my hands on a, on a cop yep. or I get aggressive and they put me in a position where I am forced to stay. So the thing about this, Nick does everything right mm-hmm. in this situation. He somehow has the presence of mind to know, don't touch these guys. Yeah. If I touch them, I'm under arrest. Yeah, And it's, and it's over for him. Yep, like, the, exactly. This story's done. Yep, yep. And I don't know how you keep your cool like that because what would it be like if it were me? Screaming. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just, he says it too. He's like, as a person of color, like there are things that he just knows to do. I know. Or things that he's been told and now he's in in this position and he's implementing them. And they tell him at this point that they are now applying for a search warrant to be able to photograph his body. And the thing 
is like they don't have a, an actual leg to stand on, so they're going on emotion. They're right. like, "Don't you want to know what happened? Don't you care about Garrett?" And they say to him, "Look, we've got a press conference in 15 minutes. We can either say we're still looking, we don't have any leads, or we can say we've got a, a person in custody. Right. Like, what do you do? You want to do? You want to work with us? Or you want to work against us? Right. This is when we learned that like Nick has called Manny, his lawyer, who's a friend. He's also called a local lawyer, and it's like we, at different points we see Nick on the phone trying to get Manny, and no one's answering and that's when I'm like oh my god oh my god why aren't you answering your goddamn fucking phone and then the cops are saying the same thing oh my god when is Manny gonna answer the phone they take Nick Hillary's phone okay. yeah. where did you phone yeah, give it to me now why well, I have to give my phone because we're, we're gonna end up taking it so you're done with the phone calls you talk to your lawyer I can't just give you my phone please no I'm sure that that's illegal. They cannot just take his phone. So they took his phone. They're blocking the door. Yeah. I just have, it's all exclamation points and just like, like letters. Cause I couldn't like actually type words out because he's waiting for a call back from his lawyer. The phone rings. Hey, could I answer that please? Allow me the opportunity please. Allow me the opportunity. Let me answer that. And, and they won't give him the phone back. Right. And he's saying it in like the least aggressive way that he like, it's such a, a such bullshit. He has to do that. He's like, will you please give me the opportunity to answer my own phone that yeah. you took away from me? Yeah. You guys, Manny, God bless him, leaves New York City and gets upstate as fast as he can. It's a seven hour drive. It's just insane. He just leaves. Yeah. He's like, Lisa, love of my life. I love you. I got to go help my friend. And she's like, girl, you should have left two hours ago. From that moment on, I mean, there has not been a day that has passed that Nick Hillary has not been discussed over our morning coffee or nighttime glass of wine. <laughs> I mean, it's been... It's when been it consumes you, yeah. it's in for a penny and for a pound. It's nothing that we planned on getting this much involved in, but, you know, we had to act and we had to move in order to help Nick. So, so this is where we find out that like his local lawyer has shown up, and the cops get the search warrant that they were that they were seeking to photograph his body. This is when we're starting to see Nick in various stages of undress. You guys, they strip search him. They literally make him take his clothes off, like one article of clothing at a time. Right. And honestly, this was so disturbing to me because they are photographing his naked body, mm-hmm. and we see some of the pictures, and I don't know how that's legal or even ethical for the filmmakers to show us that because the whole thing was it was all about humiliation to begin with it was they weren't looking for evidence they were trying to humiliate him and let him know that they had the power because this is all done in that guy Murray's office it's not official like you see like his stupid framed pictures in the background exactly and so I I mean I think Nick gave the okay to Liz Garbus I don't think Liz Garbus director of there's something wrong with Aunt Diane everybody oh yeah I don't think she would do I mean I think he was just like yeah let's let everyone know how these cops fucked it up and how awful they are it was really kind of upsetting for me to see that But then, that garbage Murray guy, he's saying to us, Um, There were other people that were photographed nude as well. And I pointed that out in the deposition. Um, And the filmmaker says, Oh, girl, who else? Meaning, were there other suspects? Who are they? Because he's like, I said that in in the deposition, but whatever. No one seems to care about the fact that I said that. Right. And so Liz is like, well, who? Knowing the answer. Yeah. Who else was photographed nude? And Garrett Phillips was. Well, Garrett Phillips. And I'm like, okay, no. Which is so... 
yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so garbagey and disgusting. Because like he, this dead boy who's been brutally murdered. Like, did Murray actually think we weren't going to ask who the other quote suspects were? Right. He's like, no, other people were photographed nude. Everybody, but yeah. he's saying it in a way that's like, I didn't say the word suspects, did I? Right, I right, just said right. there were yeah, other yeah. nude photographs taken. Oh, fucking horrible. And so this is where Manny, the lawyer, is telling us, like, you know, Nick did the best he could under the circumstances because what the police wanted more than anything was to see Nick flinch. They wanted him to refuse mm-hmm. to be photographed with his clothes off. Or like resist arrest or because put his hands that on would, a cop. It would be resisting arrest. If you refuse to comply with the search warrant, it would be resisting arrest. They could arrest him. And you know that if this guy was thrown in jail and thrown into the system, he never would have come out. Right. So eight hours later, they let him leave in a fucking hazmat suit because they took all of his clothes as evidence. Yeah. Think about that. So so this is where we are at the end, right? Where like Nick is like leaving, having been humiliated, nakedly photographed in front of all these people. Right. He's leaving the police station in a hazmat suit. <laughs> like what is going to happen? Yeah. And so we get all the cops being like, yeah, well, it's just we he did it because because we said it. Right. <laughs> Why is he going along with it like they always do? No, bitch. I know. Not here. Not today. Not on TCO. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, just a reminder, you can get episode two of this right now. It's at the $5 level ad-free on the Pates on yeah, Patreon. Yeah, Pates. And it'll be the regular episode next week. Yeah, with ads. Yeah. <laughs> Our ads are awesome, by yeah, the way. Yeah, just saying. We- um, you guys, just a reminder, if you want more of Jillian and me or you want to just get part two of this ad-free right now, yeah. join the Patreon. Yeah, get mad with us, you get know? Get mad. 100 <laughs> full bonus episodes to, to download a binge right this second. Yep, The Staircase Making a Murderer, uh, Madonna's Truth or Dare. <laughs> Lorena. Lorena. The Staircase, uh, Serial Season 1. OJ, Lacey Peterson, Jody Arias. There's a lot Disappears of Madeline McCann. Yeah, nothing happens in that one, but we covered it for you. <laughs> we talk a lot. Shit happens here between us. It's true. But nothing really happened in the documentary. I can't even stump you with what are we doing next because we're doing part two of this next week. Yeah, I know the answer. I know. <laughs> I like knowing. Girl, tell the people where they can find us. They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. They can find us at truecrimeobsessed podcast on Instagram, at truecrimeobsessed.com. No ED on Twitter. Yeah. You guys stay tuned for the outtakes. The outtakes are going to be good, and we don't really have a trailer to play because it's just part two of this for next week. Yeah. Are you mad yet? How mad are you? I'm, I'm really, this, honestly, this, this yeah. made me really mad. Well, I mean, the fact that it's like 40 minutes of just watching like horrible, like just, I know. It, it's almost in slow motion. We're like, did they just take the phone? Oh my God, they took the phone. Oh my God, they're blocking the door. Like, just when you think it can't get worse, you guys I know. Are we are. <laughs> we love you. We love you. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Bye. A tro riotous. Uh huh. That's it. <laughs> That's my drag name. Are we saying Potsdam or Potsdam? Oh, God. I- <laughs> Just pick one. They'll be fine. Marissa's not going to be mad. Yeah. She's never gotten mad in her life. There's a bridge we drive over every time we leave the city, uh-huh. and it's called Jerome's Dam Bridge. Like, Jerome, like, dam, like, like a dam that, like, beavers make. Like Jerome's Dam. Yeah. But the GPS ladies, I was like, head over Jerome's Dam Bridge. <laughs> yeah, his goddamn bridge. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love, I love shit like that. And it's the goddamn bridge, Jerome. <laughs> Jerome and his damn bridge at it again. <laughs> I, like, don't even have a list. Oh, God. Yes, you do. There are people that you just don't like. I'm trying to think. I can start naming them. You don't have to bleep it, but I can definitely start naming names of people you just don't like. Yeah, that's true. Because I cannot imagine a worse life than being a goddamn landlord. Right. That would be the worst all hours of the night. Is that why they're so terrible most of the time? (laughs) It's always me calling being like, I saw a cockroach and it is not my job to get it out of here. You come here and get rid of this cockroach. Do it. There was the Onion headline this week that is being shared all over Facebook. It says, um, cockroaches feeling really good about the trajectory of the planet. Oh, God. I hate everything about them.
Are they dead yet? I want them to be dead. 